Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Cassidy, I'm so happy to have you on Conversations with the Pros. You have been a member of the To The Point Nutrition Healthy Dancer community for quite some time already. Um, but I'm happy to just chat, get your insights that we can share with dancers. I know you've had a bunch of changes career-wise um, over the past couple of years, so I'd love to catch up on that. So why don't you first introduce us and walk us through your journey in regards to where you trained. I know where you trained, but where you trained and then where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. So I, well, my name's Cassidy McAndrew. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, but I did most of my training at Ballet Academy East in Manhattan, um, which is an incredible studio. It's you know, I had such an amazing experience there. And I still every time I'm home, I go back. And that was really, you know, I went, I think after my first year there, I went when I was about 11. That's when I was like, yep, I'm this is what I want to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was there all through, um, I joined when I was 11 and stayed through high school. And then when I graduated, I joined Charlotte Ballet as an apprentice for one season which was such an incredible experience for me. I was able to work with Patricia McBride, who was the Associate Artistic Director at the time, and she was an idol of mine. And, you know, that opportunity to work with her before she had retired was something I'll always cherish. It really was such an incredible year for me um, and such an amazing start to my career as a professional to be in that environment was really, I couldn't have asked for a better first year. And then I went to Pennsylvania Ballet after that and was in the second company and apprentice and in the Corps. And I was there for four seasons and then COVID happened. <laughs> so that's my, my brief interlude. And then I just joined Los Angeles Ballet for this season. So yeah, all my places. <laughs> Yes, awesome. Uh, BAE is such a wonderful, Ballet Academy East for everyone watching, is such a wonderful environment. That's I trained there in more of my later years and just had such a positive experience at that studio. I always felt like the environment was very positive. Um, it sounds like you had a very similar experience. So just a little shout out, shout out there. Shout out to Julia. <laughs> um, but now, yes, yeah, so this transition that you've made starting in Charlotte, then Pennsylvania, now LA. How would you say your relationship with dance has either like changed or stayed the same? And obviously COVID's gonna play a major role in your answer here. So why don't you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, well, 
you know, when I first joined, I would say Charlotte Ballet, I still felt very much like a student in a lot of ways, you know, it was new and exciting and just dancing a ton all the time, which is always amazing. Um, but I think throughout the years, you know, the more you're in a company, that really changes. You go from taking classes all day long to rehearsals, and sometimes you're rehearsing a lot, and sometimes you're not rehearsing a lot. And I think, you know, I have been very lucky in the sense that I, my love of dance has not changed throughout the years. You know, I think always coming back to that and why I started this and why I do it, um, you know, that has stayed with me and has gotten me through a lot of the harder times. And especially through COVID, you know, I think so many people questioned, am I going to make it through this? Should I continue on this path? And it is something that I think almost every dancer at one point questions, okay, what am I doing? Like, can I keep this up? Can I push through this? And the one thing about COVID was that the entire ballet world was going through it together. You know, it wasn't like having an injury where you're watching everything pass you by. It was really everyone kind of sitting at home, like, what do we do? Where do we go from here? And, you know, that sense of community, I think was something that really helped me, especially um, to see that, you know, there's going to be moments where your career is not going the way that you imagined it would or that things aren't going the way you wanted them to necessarily and knowing that you can still make it out of that and still go on to keep dancing um was an important lesson i think for me to learn and you know for every dancer to see what you can push yourself through i think that really taught us a lot yeah, I totally agree. COVID-19 really presented such a unique challenge for dancers. The, there were obviously a lot of cons to it. A lot of dancers were just really thrown into a situation that just was so opposite of their norm in regards to being very busy, very active, to being at home, having to have a lot of self-start motivation in regards to taking virtual classes. And then of course, the very nature of virtual dancing is not easy. It's not easy to follow someone over a screen when it really involves like making art and, uh, you know, utilizing your body and movement and moving in a small space. So there were so many challenges in that sense. I completely agree. I even felt this, not that I was dancing, but just as a dietitian in the world, of dancers that sense of well everyone's in the same spot right now you know what i mean like we're all experiencing the same thing which is definitely different from if you were having an injury or struggling with an injury and having to sit out which of course brings us to like now where the world is slowly getting back to the norm and a lot of dancers are coming back from from this longer extended period of being off um and then of course having to experience challenges where there where it might not be so um all together, you know, sense of community. So I'm curious to hear from you, any insight you can give dancers in regards to how you've moved through challenges throughout your career. So now these challenges can be like a physical injury, or maybe it was maybe a little burnout at any point, anything like that ever that you experienced that you were able to move through. It sounded like your love for the art has always been able to fuel you, which is something that I want to get back to a little bit later, but any insight you can give us with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I think 
pretty much every dancer will at one point have a moment where they're sort of like, what am I doing? How am I going to get out of this? I don't even want to do it anymore, you know? And I think for me growing up also, you know, I was so passionate about it and, you know, worked so hard. And I think there's a little bit of that as a student, you know, you have your coaches and you have your teachers and your parents and you have a lot of people there to support you. And I would say one of the biggest changes about going into a company is, you know, what every person goes through going from whether it's school to work or anything that it's a lot more self-reliant mm -hmm. and you have to push yourself. You have to, you know, motivate yourself and do those things. But also you're the only person that knows how you're carrying all of that. And you from the outside can seem like, wow, they're so driven. They're so hardworking when, you might be completely burnt out and pushing yourself in a way where you're like, okay, something's not right. And I don't know what it is. And, you know, I definitely experienced that. I think when COVID happened, I was much more burnt out than I realized. Um, I had spent a year not dancing as much. And I was really in this position where I didn't know where I wanted to be anymore. What company was going to be the right fit for me. Um, and it made me question a lot of things, whether this was truly something I wanted to continue with. Um, auditions are very difficult, you know, they're hard for everyone. And I think that when you're constantly going, you just feel this sense of urgency as a dancer that the time is so limited and our careers are short and you want to make the most of it. And I think, it can make you very on edge. Like, why is everything not happening right now? And, you know, patience is something that I have always had to work on. And I think a lot of dancers do because we're driven and hungry for that work. And that's great, but it definitely can lead to burnout. And, you know, I think also as dancers, and I think this happens a lot with athletes, you feel this need to handle it on your own. It's sort of like, I should be tough enough to get through this. I don't want to show weakness. I'm fine. I'm, I'm all good. And although that can push you through a lot, it can also lead to that burnout. And I think that an important lesson I realized was, you know, there is a community in the dance world and there are people, even if it's one person, whether it's a friend, a sibling, a, a teacher that you trust, there are, I've been lucky to have some mentors in the dance world that really helped me when I was feeling down. And sometimes it was as simple as truly just asking the question, is this really what you want? And, you know, I had a dancer in the company I was with at the time say to me one time, you know, whoever's at the front of the room can take away a part or even your job, but they can never take away your dancing and that's always yours. And you can always, you always have that with you wherever that takes you. And that was something that I think about a lot when, you know, you're feeling stressed out or burnt out, sort of going back to the beginning, you know, going in a studio alone and taking class or watching a ballet that you love or taking a break. You know, there's a fear that like, if I'm not doing this 24 seven, I'm going to lose everything. And um, I think that sometimes, again, that just leads you to push and push and push. And sometimes taking a step back 
is what you need. And again, I think COVID did that a little bit. It was sort of like a forced break that we didn't want. But you know, you couldn't do fouettes and soda shahs in your bedroom. And so <laughs> it, you had to find other ways to fill your hours and kind of pull you out of the ballet world a little bit, which I think can be very healthy um, for, for all different ages of dancers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many good points here. That need for support. And one thing that you bring up that I really want to hone in on, one of the pros of social media is that it's definitely made a lot of helpful advice and resources accessible to dancers. Um, but dancers at the same time shouldn't feel pressured. If it, if it means it's just one teacher, one friend, one point of contact that is there to hear you, allow you to feel safe, allow you to feel like you're not being judged, even if you're just venting. Usually, like I'm thinking right now, just a friend, you know what I mean? Um, that you can vent to with judgment free if that person is just not even a part of the dance world. Sometimes it's helpful. Maybe it's helpful to have them a part of the dance world. The whole point is, is that it's individual, right? What a dancer needs. And as for the younger dancers out there, that's going to be trial and error, but they shouldn't feel pressured to, ha to have this all or nothing mindset. You've always been particularly good at reaching out at those times when it's like, hey, I need to check in. Like, I need, I need to chat. Um, you know what I mean? Even if it's just, again, like that one point of contact, whether it's a friend, whoever it might be, I think having that support is just essential. I loved that point. Cassidy, was there ever a specific time in your training where you can say like, yeah, that's when I connected the dots between like how I was fueling my body and what I was able to produce in the studio and on stage? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there have been a few different moments. Um, I was one of those kids growing up where I kind of didn't even think about it, like mm -hmm. all through my training. And it was sort of like I was 16 and you could kind of do anything. And I had all this energy no matter mm -hmm. what, um, sure. which is great. But then that changes. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when I was at Pennsylvania Ballet, when we did Nutcracker, we had 32 shows. So you're going nonstop. You're doing, you know, I think every core dancer knows that snow flowers push that you're doing every night. And you really do start to notice how what you're fueling your body with makes a difference um, energy-wise, injury-wise. And, um, you know, I particularly noticed at times when I think you know, all of a sudden you're not feeling as, you kind of have the brain fog going on yeah. sometimes. And you're like, what's going on? I feel weird. And you realize that, you know, your body needs a lot to be a human, to operate daily, let alone to be dancing for six hours a day or eight hours a day. And I think that that is something that is not really taught to dancers ever, um, unless, you know, you have a parent or, or a teacher who takes the time to explain that to you. Um, and I think particularly for the girls, you know, you go from being a girl to being a woman. And that's a transition that happens at a crucial time in our careers. And it's sort of, again, this like, well, you figure it out as you go along. Um, but I think when I started, you know, performing that much more, you sort of realize, hey, if I have a bowl of cereal for dinner and that's it and go to sleep. 
I don't feel so great waking up for class in the morning. Um, and, you know, we worked together and that was probably the first time I had real information on nutrient-dense foods and different things like that that can help you with your performance, whether it's day-to-day -day and especially going into those times where you're at the theater all day long, you're performing twice a day, and you're like, okay, I need to do what I can to survive. Yes, such a good point because unintentional undereating is probably one of the most common problems across the board with dancers. A lot of my work that I focus on is, of course, helping dancers um, if they're struggling with more of like the intentional food restrictions. But I would say that just as common as that might be would be the unintentional undereating, which essentially just means, like you said, that we need a lot in general, like our baseline just to be human, just to fuel our active bodies is a lot, right? Especially when you're going through puberty, that like spike in your energy needs. Now add on top of that, the pre-professional, and then of course the transition to the professional training, it's a lot. It's a lot of calories. It's a lot of nutrient needs. And so many dancers having a passive approach to how they're eating is just not enough, right? It's not, especially with a busy, busy schedule. It's, it's super easy to just, you know, come home after performance, say, I'm tired, have a bowl of cereal, get into bed. And then before you know it, you know, your glycogen stores, your energy stores weren't sufficiently refueled. And then over the course of several days, you're depleting your energy. You're feeling that brain fog that you were talking about. So I completely agree. I think it is so important for dancers to realize that as athletes, they need to have a bit more of a proactive approach to fueling their bodies throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we are being seen more and more as athletes, which yeah. wasn't always the case with dancers. And I think that, you know, we, one of the other important things I think in learning about that and about yourself is giving yourself some grace, giving yourself time to figure out what works for you. I think, you know, you've said this so many times on your page and in different ways that nothing, you can't compare yourself to another person because every one of us operates completely differently. And I think that allowing yourself time to figure that out is paramount in creating a, something that's going to work for you long-term. You know, it's not just going to be, okay, well, all of a sudden I don't feel well. Well, what does this dancer do? I'll just do that, Oops, sorry about that to help you. And it'll change throughout your career as well. You know, it, it's going to be different when you're 18 and when you're 24 or when you're 16 and when you're 20. That's another thing that I think, you know, not being freaked out by those changes and by knowing that some days you need more and some days you might have less and just allowing that grace and to give yourself time to figure out what works for you. Yeah, which segues me in a little bit to more of a touchy subject in regards to body image. One thing that you say that I think a lot of younger dancers need to hear and it needs to be said more often is that we need to make space for a changing body. A lot of dancers will strive to hold on to a prepudescent body when they were 15, uh, 14, 15 years old and not, you know, see changes happen 
get really freaked out, get really scared. And that's, of course, also the peak time where we see dancers develop disordered eating and even eating disorders. So one thing that you mentioned here is that, like, you know, your body is not going to look the same from when you were 16 to when you're, like, 25. Making space mentally and physically, like, for those changes, I think, is super important for dancers to understand and, and be and be there for yeah absolutely and I think you know again if you never experience any issues with your body or food or anything related to that during your career that's amazing and I wish that it was that way for every dancer truly but you know <laughs> unfortunately it is more difficult for a lot of dancers and I think another important thing to remember is you know, with the urgency we sometimes feel, knowing that it's okay to take the time to find a place that values you and not the version of you that they believe in. And I think that's something that's really, really hard to accept and to kind of allow yourself to say, I can find somewhere that's the right fit for me that wants me. They, they want to use the person that I am, the dancer that I am, and not that I have to contort myself to this idea that they have of me. Um, you know, the ballet world is slowly evolving. And I think that not every director and every place wants the same thing. And that, you know, as a dancer at the end of the day, it's your career. And that's been said to me several times, you know, from whether it's teachers or other dancers, like this is your career, you have to be happy. And if you're somewhere that you're not happy, that's not doing anyone favors. You know, whether you think this is the company that I really wanna be in though, sometimes we have to let go of those ideas in order to find the place that actually is the right fit for us, whether that's a studio or a company or just taking class, whatever it is, finding the place that's the right fit for you and not this idea that you have. It's amazing the freedom that I think you can find in that in, in all aspects of dancing, but especially in, again, making space for that journey of as our bodies change, as we figure it out, you know, there's so many aspects that go into being a dancer and that just shouldn't take over everything. Yeah. So many good points. And you are such a great example of someone who has, you know, been in a couple of different companies to figure out what is working for you and to figure out where you are experiencing this career at your best. And I think what you're saying here for a lot of dancers to hear is to not be scared of changing your environment, right? Instead of trying to fit yourself into an environment that's not working for you, perhaps consider changing the environment so that they are accepting you for who you are. That's what it sounds like you're saying, which is just such, yeah. such incredible advice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've noticed it personally when you're happy and you feel like yourself, your dancing is better. You know, mm -hmm. when you're feeling insecure and you're working from a place of fear and being sort of, you know, putting yourself in that fight or flight situation, your dancing really does suffer. You know, you retreat, you pull back. And again, we choose this path because we love to dance and we want to dance. And 
there is always going to be something to work on when it comes to dancing. You know, there's always new goals that you can set or more classes or rehearsals or goals to tackle all of that. So working from a place of, you know, I'm working hard, I'm putting forward my best work is going to happen when you're being true to yourself and when you're happy and you're doing, you know, things you need to do for yourself and not just to fit this idea and trying to only come from a place of being nervous or scared. That's just never going to produce your best work. Yeah. And everything you're saying, by the way, parallels what I work with dancers in regards to food freedom, because when we are restricting or when we are fear, fearful of how we're eating and not eating enough, those same fears, that's those same insecurities, the same impact on negative impact on your dancing happens. So Cassidy, my next question for you, we kind of got to it a little bit when we were talking about COVID, but in regards to balance, how do you stay balanced in, in your life, you know, in, so that you are not only just, you know, Cassidy the dancer, but what are your best pieces of advice for a younger dancer to stay balanced within their life? Um, well, I would say, you know, I'm still working on that. <laughs> I think <laughs> sure. we're always working to figure out how to stay balanced, but I think that finding interest outside of the studio is so important you know having things to pull you out um being you know growing up i went to normal school through middle school and high school which just automatically kind of gave me a balance because i had friends who weren't dancers and no one else in my family was training seriously in ballet and so you know that helped me to always see this whole other world that was out there and i actually think I was the most immersed in it when I joined a company because it was, you know, with ballet, it's not just a job, you know, it kind of, it, it brings you in in a lot of different ways. And again, that is something that I think can lead to burnout when the only thing you have is ballet. And I think whether it's going to school or getting a job, like another job in something you're interested in um, can really help. I love to read. And I think sometimes reading, you know, whether it's nonfiction or fiction or something to pull you out of just ballet and kind of immerse yourself in something else can be really great. And, you know, having friends outside of the ballet world, it's great because you can hear about other jobs, which sometimes makes me love my job even more (laughs) and be grateful that I'm able to do this. And also pulls you back into the real world. It's really easy to get tunnel vision with this career and, you know, learning about current events, you know, watch the news, read the newspaper, know what's going on in the world, figure out how this country can support the arts better, you know, read about other countries, you know, even if it's still in the arts world, learning, educating yourself on those things is a great way to see a bigger picture and not just, what is my casting going to be for this next program? You know, that having those ways to pull yourself out, I think is very important. Um, Finding hobbies and activities is just, you know, a small way to bring yourself back to, wow, there's a whole world out there. And it's not just this one thing in this one moment. Yeah, that was, that was really such a great answer. So insightful and so true in regards to, you know, keeping up with what else is going on in the world, because it's so easy to just obsess over casting, 
your body, your food choices, when there's so much more that can actually help at the end of the day with your performance and really just bring perspective into your own performance. So uh, my last question would be, how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? I think the healthy dancer is sort of everything you've touched upon. It's physical, mental, and emotional, not just health, but strength and finding ways, you know, the same way that you would cross train and go to the gym or do whatever you do for your body, you should be doing for your mental health and for your emotional health. And I think that is something that, that is still lacking in the dance world. And whether that is, you know, once a week, hanging out with friends and surrounding yourself with friends and family and doing something that just allows you to relax and breathe, or it's going to therapy and talking to someone through all of this or finding ways to strengthen your mental health and emotional health, I think are so important because that's going to make you the most well-rounded dancer. And so much of our career isn't just about our physical body, but I think I've seen more careers end because it's, it's too hard mentally for people. And that's not anything to be ashamed of ever because this career is hard and it is tough on, you know, you define yourself as a dancer a lot. And it's important to remember that you're a person first. And I think that that's not always promoted. And I certainly don't think that I thought that way for a long time. And I think building up you, yourself as a person and not just a dancer will actually prolong your career in whatever way it goes, whether you're a principal dancer or a core dancer or you're a student or you do it in college, anywhere you take your career as a dancer, figuring out how to mentally strengthen yourself to at the end of the day, the approval that you're most looking for is from yourself. And that's really the only person that you have to make proud, that you have to be happy with, is not the person at the front of the room. It's not your parents. It's not your coaches. It's you. And that, you know, I think the people that truly care about you, they want to see you happy. And that's, you know, you have to come back to that and what makes you happy and what makes you feel strong. Um, and that way you'll have an amazing experience, you know, with all the ups and downs that will come in your career at the end of the day, you'll know that you're doing this because you love it and not for any other reasons. Yeah. Cassie, that was so wonderful. I can't thank you enough for your insight. It has been such a pleasure, such a breath of fresh air to hear all of this that you've had to say. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat and catch up. Of course, always a pleasure seeing you and we'll be in touch. Yes, great. All right, bye. Bye.